This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. We're going to have another great show on today. And Zane Cantrell, you've been uh, my guest a number of times over the last 10 or 11 years, whatever whatever amount of time it was. Uh, how long have you been retired from the school system? Oh, uh, see, since 19 or 2004. 2004 or 5, somewhere so about 16 there. years, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. So, good morning, Truman, and good morning, Rutherford County. Glad to be here again. <laughs> well, how come you guys always try to steal my lines? <laughs> uh, only the veterans try to do that. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm always excited to be here on this show and talking about beekeeping and uh, our honeybees out there. So this this is a, a real treat for me and a real treat for beekeepers throughout the county to uh, have a chance to discuss some of the issues that are coming up with, uh, with beekeeping and uh, keep ourselves uh, up front and up to date on what's going on in the state of Tennessee in beekeeping. It's been pretty tough, hasn't it, Zane? Well, the, uh, I will have to admit, this past week has been a critical week for beekeepers. Yeah, uh, it's it's been several uh, decades since we've had snow and ice on the ground that lasted this long. Can you imagine? Now we've had some good snows over the years. Yeah, but to stay on the ground for seven days and have these single-digit uh, low temperatures, it's it's been hard on our bees. And as you go out there and check them in these warm days, you'll see that there's been a lot of them that have died. They'll be on the ground in front of your hive. Are they so, freezing? I, you know, they, they, I don't know what uh, – that, that's one of the crucial issues that we're faced with. When it gets this cold, mm-hmm. why are they dying? Yeah. You'll have 15, 20, 30 uh, bees out there. Now, the most of them are okay. But you still have a, a de- decrease in your number of bees, and the way you know that, they're, they're, the bees, as they warm days like this, they'll carry out those that are dead, and, and they discard them right in front of your hive. So uh, I, I suspect the cold weather has affected them. The long-time cold weather, yeah. single digits, that's really hard on them. We're we're not used to that here in Middle Tennessee, so it's going to be uh, really interesting to see if we've had a lot of die-offs. Uh, I've maintained that we have. I've seen that, 
And another thing that's a very critical issue is that, like yesterday, we had 70 degrees weather. Today, we're also having 70 degree weather. Thank goodness for yes, us. <laughs> for us, but the bees are coming out. Yeah. And when it's that warm, they're out foraging. They're looking for nectar. And nectar's not out there. We don't have any yet. Don't we have some winter-type plants that that w- would still, they could uh, gain some of the things, the nutrition that they need? No, they can't. The, uh, the they winter can't. plants don't produce the nectar yeah. that's necessary for them to stay alive. Now, I did notice that all of my hives are bringing in uh, pollen, which is a good sign that they're, the reason they have a lot of pollen in there is the queen is getting ready to raise baby bees. Mm. So that's a good sign if you see them coming in. Now, the next question is, well, where are they getting this pollen? Well, I maintain it's left over from last year in uh, in the summer flowers. The, yeah. the pollen is still there. There's no nectar with it, but they'll go in there and they get the pollen and bring it back. But this is a critical time for beekeepers. And if you are... Uh, uh, if you have one hive, two hives, whatever you have out there, make sure and take a look at your bees. Now, don't keep them open very long, but take a look. And if if they're out of honey, you need to start feeding them. So uh, that's that's another critical issue between now and the uh, I'd say uh, the end of uh, April or the first of April. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have plenty of plants and trees that are given off nectar so uh but anyway for the next two or three weeks you're going to have to be careful or you'll lose a hive or two now that what, what do you feed them what type of nourishment well they're they're little uh sugar patties that you can make uh-huh. and if you don't want to really get into it just put a little granulated sugar up there on top of the inner board mm-hmm. and that would take care of them but they're little sugar patties that you can get, or you can make them yourself, which has sugar in them mm-hmm. and uh, syrup and that sort of thing. You might have a little honey left over, and you can use that in your sugar patties. And you put that right on top of the, the, the frames of your bees. Just quickly open them, put that sugar patty there, and uh, that'll take care of them for the next two or three weeks. So that's, that's an important critical time right now for all beekeepers and it's important that you uh, prepare your bees because they're going to be wanting to get out we're going to have a lot of warm days from now until the end of uh, march a lot of warm days and they're going to be looking for things if you have hawthorn bushes in your yard great because they're the first ones that start producing uh, nectar Mm-hmm. And also the uh, sugar maples, they get a lot of nectar off of those sugar maples. So that that's coming up very quick. What we about the sugar that, maples that have lost so many li- limbs during this? Uh, yeah, they have. We've lost a lot of limbs. I know. I lost about half of mine off of one of mine. <laughs> that's that's one of the things about maples. They're always shedding their uh, their limbs, and there are probably reasons for that. Uh, uh, Bradford pears. I wish somebody would come and get my Bradford <laughs> pears. 
That's the worst tree that was ever made. Well, Unbelievable. It's, it's funny. It's It stinks. It does. <laughs> now, they're beautiful in the springtime. That's right. But they don't have any nectar on them. They don't attract bees. They don't attract pollinators at all. They're, they're probably, they're a beautiful tree to see, but they're useless as far as anything else is concerned. I don't, I don't think I have seen any spring flowers yet. No. Uh, which is rare. I've, I usually see some by now. Yeah. You're, you're not going to see any of them due to this cold weather we've had. And we don't know how, mu- how that's going to affect the spring flowers. It may be uh, later starting out this year. And if it is, that's going to be another critical issue that we're going to have to look at with our bees and to make sure that they have nutrients in there, something to keep them alive until we start producing uh, or that our plants start producing nectar. So I have seen no buttercups whatsoever. Well, there there's some small buttercups, but they're not blooming. Yeah. And and I'm surprised. Uh, we have them out at our house. I'm surprised that just the green shoots are coming up. There's mm-hmm. no sign of any uh, flower there with them. So uh, you do see a few of those. But the, then again, about all they can get out of those uh, is going to be uh, pollen. Yeah. So there's not any nectar into them. A lot of these things at early blooming say that it'll be blooming in the next two weeks, provided we have warm weather. Yeah. They, there's not a lot of nectar with them. So that's, uh, that's some, one of the things that we need to take a look at and make sure if, they, if we don't have any, let's be sure that we provide something for them. And uh, plain old sugar water, sugar is great if, if you... Uh, Put it on right, uh, have it set up to where they can get to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, plain old sugar water, keep them. All you need to do is put a quart on them for the next two or three weeks, and that should handle it. These are, are really good about the weather, uh, usually uh, knowing when the, the good weather is going to come. And I, I was, um, are there really any indicators like? swarms and things like that that will tell you that the weather's going to be fine from now on. Well, they're not going to start swarming until uh, un- until they build up some uh, bees in the hive, okay? Mm-hmm. So uh, you know that your queen is producing mm-hmm. <laughs> the baby bees. Yeah. They're in there. So uh, they start getting uh, a lot of bees in there. It's a natural instinct for the bees to want to swarm. Yeah. And you can start looking for swarms at the end of March and the 1st of April. That always tells you. April is the spring month. Yeah. So you you can pretty well tell that everything is great. They're not going to be swarming if they're not a healthy hive. So we, we need to keep that in mind. You know, Truman, I didn't get a lot of calls last year for swarms. And I don't know what the reason was. The pandemic was on yeah. at that time. I don't know if people were just not getting out and watching what's going on. You know, a swarm of bees show up in your backyard. They stay there maybe for an hour or sometimes a couple of days. But be sure and get on the phone and call a beekeeper anytime you see a swarm out there. We don't want that swarm to uh, 
to die out on us. Yeah. We, you know, they don't live very well in the wild anymore. There's just so many things that are happening to them. That's not because the the beekeepers, though. No, no. But the beekeeper can get get out there and get them before they swarm into some into by somebody's house yeah. or into a tree. Uh, we want to catch them before they uh, do that. So it's important to get those swarms. We don't want to see a swarm uh, go by the way, and no one uh, has a chance to to uh, catch it. And there are a list of uh, beekeepers that are uh, on the website of Lane Ag Center here mm-hmm. in Murfreesboro. You can give your choice. That That's where you have your meetings, right? Yes, we have our meetings over there. And we'll talk about that just in a few minutes. But okay. anyway, you can uh, easily go online, uh, the website over there, and decide which beekeeper you want to come out there and if you see a swarm and, and pick up the swarm. Some of us are better than others. I think I'm one of the better swarm catchers in Tennessee, <laughs> so I've caught so many of them. Not that I am a... You, you study it as much <laughs> as anybody I've ever seen. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I try to keep up with it. And, and, and you do a, a great job of teaching those that want to be beekeepers all the and pretty much everything they need to know yeah. about the business. Yeah. Well, we've got some great beekeepers in, in uh, Rutherford County. Keith Elrod mm-hmm. is president of the Rutherford Beekeepers. For a long time. Yeah, He's... for Rutherford Beekeepers Association. Yeah. His wife, Robin Elrod, is secretary does a great job keeping us informed of what's going Good on. Rockvale people. Fred Embry, yeah. uh, another outstanding beekeeper. Uh, Fred is a master beekeeper, probably one of the few master beekeepers in Rutherford County. He's completely certified uh, master beekeeper. You've been certified for a long time. <laughs> I appreciate that. But anyway, he has the papers on it. Yeah. Tom Hartley, he's another one of the most. Uh, Principal at Bellwood. Yeah, it used Isn't to be. it funny how so many educators get yeah. involved in it? Well, we it's it's such a, uh extend, extended way of which we can continue to to improve our community. Yeah. There's such few things that we can really do to make a difference. One thing you can do is being a beekeeper. You're going to improve the environment all around where your bees are, and that's a great contribution. And you keeping your bees alive and keeping them healthy, and then they go out there and they improve the environment of your of uh, of the community so you're making a big contribution by doing that by being a, a beekeeper now <clears throat> i'm not a professional beekeeper by any means uh it's it, i'm what yes, you, you are what i what i call myself is a hobbyist beekeeper uh it's a hobby to me uh but but you see all the the good things that come out of it, and all the bad things could, that could happen if a strange phenomenon were to uh, uh, appear, and all the bees were gone. Yeah, uh, the whole world would change at that time. Absolutely. I mean, you can't imagine what would happen to our crops, all kinds of crops out there. You mm-hmm. do it way, uh, you would have crops, but it wouldn't be near as. Uh, productive as we have them now with our pollinators and uh, if that happens you'll see a decrease 
in uh, livestock mm -hmm. of all kinds and poultry of all kinds. You have to remember they, de they depend on these crops, agricultural yeah. crops, to uh, stay healthy and have a good living. And it all starts with our pollinators. If something happens to our pollinators, then we're, we're going to be in a very difficult situation and, uh, in, in this country. And that's, that's why we need to encourage people to uh, get involved with our bees. Uh, and this is the time of the year, Truman, that you want to do that. If you're yeah. interested in uh, starting up a beekeeping, getting a few hives, right now is the time to do it. You want to start it by April the 1st, if at all possible. No later than, I'd say, April the 15th. And there are a lot of different opp opportunities that you can have in getting your bees together, getting your hives. You've got time to do that now. And uh, start working on it and get them together. We we need uh, folks to to get back to it. You know, remember when we were growing up, Truman, almost everybody out in the country had a hive of bees or two or three. So I remember when the first time I would see uh, the bees where I lived would be the clover grass. Mm -hmm. And they would just absolutely, uh, as far as you could see, there would be honeybees all over the place. I don't see that as much anymore. Well, uh, unfortunately, you're true. We don't. Uh, but we can get back to that way again. But we've got to uh, take this beekeeping in, in a serious manner. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of really good beekeepers out there that are willing to mentor anyone uh, what, what about, is it, is it the best way to do this, if you're interested in it, is to uh, come to one of the meetings that you have uh, out there, and when you're around a large group of people, you, you find those that you really connect to, mm -hmm. and, and those are the people that, that, that take you... Uh, under their arms and start showing you what needs to be done, how you need to start. Do you need to start with one hive or, or, or whatever? Or if you're really into it, uh, is it the right thing to do to start slow and then work yourself into it? That's, that is probably the, the, uh, the best way to do that. Yeah. You're right on track by saying start off easy, slow, and then build up over the years. Uh, I know when I started out, I, uh, of course, my daddy had bees when I was growing up, but I didn't take a lot of interest in it. But uh, I did later on in life. I started out with two or three hives and then built on that. And mm -hmm. I keep between uh, anywhere from 10 to 20 beehives. Sometimes I get up to 25. Wow. But I, I, I don't really have time to do more than that. Uh, but yes, and uh, he, you know, here's, here's the thing about going to the beekeepers meeting. You find people there that have very similar questions, mm -hmm. and you get those answers. And uh, we've got uh, people that really know what they're talking about and how to give you uh, information. Yeah. Just that information that you really need to be a, uh, a quality beekeeper. And so that's important. 
And now we've we've had some problems with our mating, not just Rutherford County Beekeepers Association, but Tennessee Beekeepers Association. I'm on the board of directors of the Tennessee Beekeepers Association, mm-hmm. representing Rutherford County. And uh, the meetings we've had have been Zoom meetings. Oh, we even had I to cancel those. the uh, conference that we normally have in October in uh, Cookville. Tell Tennessee. them to get alive and show up. The yeah, heck with us. We, <laughs> we need to get yeah. back to having these meetings. And, and we're depending on ag centers. They have their own requirements that we have to uh, meet mm-hmm. in order to have meetings. And uh, we got a text message from Robin Elrod recently that uh, next month we will not have a meeting. But starting in April, we're going to try to start back up again. And uh, it will be a limited number. Now, you why have- aren't they having the meeting? Pardon? Why aren't you going to have the meeting? Well, why are we not? Yeah. Because of the requirements that the uh, health department has put down on having large numbers of meetings, people together. We have anywhere from a 50 to 100 people that You're usually show up You're trying to drive me nuts, me. aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So we have to comply with that. Yeah. And then, Unbelievable. Yeah. And you have to wear a mask, and you have to have your seats so far apart. So those are the requirements that we have to meet as a as a gr- organization yeah. Yeah. at the uh, ag center here as well as wherever. So that's that's part of the reason we have to comply with those requirements. So, but we hope to get back in April. So that's the first Monday night at seven o'clock mm-hmm. at uh, Lane Ag Center. So we encourage those who want to learn more, want to be a part of this. You don't have to be a member. We we welcome all. We'd even welcome you to come by, Truman, to meet with us. That's oh, probably I, about. That's I, I will be there in March. Now yeah. I don't know about the ones <laughs> April. in April. Is that past your bedtime, seven o'clock? Uh, no, actually, I'm staying up later. Oh, good. Yeah, you know, I'm one of these people. When I worked, I was an eighteen, twenty-hour-a-day right. worker. Right. And and I'm used to to having something to do like that all the time. And since all this crap happened and everybody was. Um, uh, being herded around like a bunch of sheep uh, across the country, I, it, it's not my it's not my cup of tea to be yeah. perfectly honest with you. But I am very much supportive of what goes on with the bees right now, and and all the work that you're doing, and uh, that's pretty special for our community for to have people like you guys to to keep uh, something that we really have to. Uh, have in our community is our bees because like you said earlier without them we're in pretty bad shape the scientists tell us that every third bite of food that you make that you eat is made by pollinators yeah and the the best pollinators on the face of this earth are honeybees and let me tell you why honeybees uh, why we rate them the way we do if honeybees are out here working, uh, uh, you have a group of honeybees that are working uh, whatever kind of uh, vegetable is that's blooming. Mm-hmm. They'll work that as long as the the, the uh, pollen and the uh, nectar is up. They won't go anywhere else. They won't go to anything else. 
when the nectar goes down, then they'll go to watermelons, for example, and so on and so on. Now, other pollinators, they jump from one flower to another. It doesn't make much difference to them. But as far as agriculture is concerned, mm -hmm. you want the pollinators that will stay with your crop as it is blooming. Yeah. Because you, as uh, producing whatever it is that you're producing, whether it's uh, strawberries, blueberries, whatever, you want those to be pollinated. You don't want cross-pollination to, uh, to affect them, that crop. Yeah. So that's, that's why we say honeybees are the best type uh, of pollinators that you can get. Now, a few years ago, uh, I don't know if you remember this, we were losing bees, honeybees, right and left. And so the scientists I took remember. some uh, bumblebees and tried to uh, use them as pollinators. But they, what they found out, they couldn't keep the... <laughs> they, they couldn't keep them on the strawberries or the, whatever was growing. They couldn't keep them there. They would jump something else. So that that didn't work out. So that's that's why we're we're really into making sure that our bees stay strong, stay healthy, and that we have a lot of them. Now, I now what a, area do the honeybees mostly uh, survive? How far up north can a honeybee, just like with what's going on with us in, in the last week or so, with, with the weather so bad? Yeah. Well, here's the thing about that. We have honeybees in Canada. We have honeybees up north. Yeah. And they, these are really cold weather, but they are used to it. And another hmm. thing they do up there is they insulate their hives in the wintertime. Yeah. They put insulation around them, so they they prepare their bees for it more than like here in in uh, Middle Tennessee. We we don't go to that uh, type of. Uh, um, They're like we are, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, like protecting our bees yeah. because it's not that cold here. Yeah. It's but ex except this one week we've had. Now if we if we had multiple weeks of that kind, we would have to do more than what we do in protecting our bees. Uh, but the way it is now, I'd be living further south. That's right. We don't. We would uh, do a lot. But I, up north, yeah. And but they prepare their bees for that. And uh, another thing they pre prepare their bees for. There's still a lot of brown bears up in the northern yeah. Providence. So they have to also fence their bees to keep the bears out of them. And uh, now say that again. They do what? They fence the bees. Fence them. Fence them. Put fences around them, tall fences to keep the bears out of their hives. That's hard to keep a brown bear out of anything. It is, but the, the, the top strand, they'll put electricity on it. Yeah. Um, it's my understanding that this weather that we just had... Uh, was caused by Al Gore. <laughs> now, I'm not going to get into politics. Uh, I'm not getting into politics either. <laughs> uh, I, I'm getting into reputations. Okay. All right. Uh, honeybees are non-political. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. But they do care about these big hornets. 
yeah. that are flying uh, up north somewhere. Right well, now. yeah, they, they, we have to be careful about that. Yeah. And that's the same thing that happens. These small high beetles came in here from another country, mm-hmm. and they are they're they cause a lot of trouble with our bees here in Middle Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, now you go up north, you don't have to worry much as much about the small hive beetle because they can't survive up in that cold weather. Yeah. What they do is they get in to your hive and they try to get into the honey. So we do have ways of uh, limiting the number of uh, hive beetles. But that hornet that you're talking about, yeah. man, that's... That is uh, that is really dangerous, not just to the honeybees, but also to people. Yeah. And they, you know, we you've been stung by a bumblebee before. Many times. They say that hornet is three times worse than than uh, a sting by bumblebee, and that's pretty bumblebees. Bad. If you're out on a, uh, if if you're cutting your grass with a with a riding mower, I've been hit a number of times. Yeah. Over the years, and it's just like somebody took a ball bat and hit yeah. you. I mean, I've gotten hit between the eyes with one of those things, and you talk about, man, that's what I thought. I was hit by a baseball or something. <laughs> so, but those hornings, I, they're they're doing a pretty good job, as I understand. Yeah, they've wiped them out. In wiped some them of the out so far, but yeah. they've got a, they've got traps out to make sure that there's not any more around. We don't want those coming down to our part of the country. And uh, that that would be devastating. To we our... don't want honeybees sting us for one reason more than others, is they will die after they sting you. Isn't that correct? That's correct. They lose their stinger. And... Yeah, honeybees do. Yeah. And here's the, here's the thing about our honeybees. Uh, even if they, like if you don't have your equipment on, you just happen to be standing out and knocking on their beehive, they'll only chase you about 50 feet, and then leave you alone and go yeah. back. But you take these more aggressive bees, they'll they'll chase you for a half a mile. <laughs> so, yeah, but you run every day. You yeah, wouldn't have no. much trouble with that. <laughs> you uh, got in four miles this morning, right? Yeah, I, I tell you what. When I was a kid, we had some pretty aggressive honeybees out on the farm, and one that got after me one day. Man, I took off. I went ran all the way down into the. Uh, trees mm-hmm. and uh, into the forest i thought i was so far away from them i stopped and i peeped around the tree that dude hit me right in the head <laughs> he came all the way after me you know you talk about a great ag- aggressive bee he was aggressive yeah. what if you're allergic to the sting yeah now a lot of people i'd say a lot some people are allergic to yeah. stings and they have the ipn that they uh, take, keep on them to take the shot. What it does, like if you have an allergic reaction, it's more than just breaking out. Yeah. Uh, your your tongue swells, your throat swells, and you you have uh, air passage that uh, you can't breathe. Yeah. So you have to be very careful. Now, normal uh, sting for some people, just a Benadryl would take care of it. Yeah. Now I get stung all the time. Uh, not that that I'm trying. I don't get a lot of stings, but like if I'm pulling out a frame or something, I might mash a bee and I get stung on the hand somewhere. Uh, they don't doesn't affect me anymore. I guess I've gotten so many stings, I don't even swell anymore. So uh, that's <laughs> you get used to it. 
do you really uh, you develop an immunity? I guess that's what you call. I, you know, I don't have any scientific evidence to that. Yeah. But it used to when I was first taking up uh, beekeeping, I'd get a sting on the hand or somewhere, and it would swell. Mm-hmm. Now I don't. Not a not a least bit. I don't even turn red. So something has happened. Uh, but this is the best time of year for new beekeepers to to start getting into the business. If you want to get into beekeeping, now is the time to do it. You can't wait till the middle of the summer or this fall and say, I want to get into beekeeping. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is get out there online, and uh, there are a lot of places that you can buy bees. There are some, there's a, some but bees. But should you buy bees if you haven't had any training? Well, what you can do is you can buy them and put them in the uh, put them in your uh, hive. Make sure you have all the equipment there. You know, there's you can go online and find out how to do that. Uh, that's one great. Well, should they should they uh, either go to the meeting or call people that are already involved? Yeah, in the I, I would call somebody and get a little information from them on how to get started. Now, here's the thing about it. You get your bees now. If you don't, you're going to be left out. So get your bees, get them installed. Talk to a mentor, someone. I've given a few names. You can find them listed over on the uh, Ag Center uh, website. Mm -hmm. Call some of them up, get information. But order your bees. If you don't order your bees right now, you're not going to get them. uh, Now, are, are there illegitimate places that try to work with people selling bees, or all they are most of them uh, the type of people that you don't mind dealing with. Yeah, they, most of them are that type of people. Yeah. So far, we don't have any of those that are illegitimate. That yeah. are trying to take your money. The, most of them, uh, you you would, uh, you don't have to pay a, before you get your bees. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pay up front. Where do they get their bees, the, the companies that sell the bees? Yeah, uh, most of these are coming out of South Georgia or Florida. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, they're, they're further ahead than we are. So you have people going down there and picking them up. But you can order them directly from some of those uh, uh, beekeeping uh, places. And, well, you know. what do you receive? If you order a bunch of bees, You get do you get the whole nine yards of of everything that you need to take no, care of. No, you don't. You uh-huh. only get the bees and the queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, you know, used to you could get a package of bees for fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. Now it's a hundred to a hundred and twenty-five or fifty dollars. Uh, That's not much money to to have a great <laughs> responsibility that you yeah. can do so many positive yeah. things yeah. with it. And I recommend that everyone start out with at least two hives. Start with two. Don't, don't try to start with one. And What's the, the difference? Yeah, here's the difference. If you have one of your hives that are not doing well, mm-hmm. you can take some frames out of the one that's doing real well and put it in there, and you can share frames with the two. So that keeps them healthier and stronger. That so there's way, not any competition between no, there's one not, or the no, other? No, not, not two of them. There's no competition. There's plenty of nectar out there for them. And they're starting at the same time. So they're not going to try to start robbing each other. They don't do that. Now, you have some robbing that goes on where they try to rob out a weak hive. But those are stronger hives that have been there for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry that about that starting off. Get it, order you a couple of uh, 
packages of bees. They'll be delivered to you by, I'd say, April 1st. So this would be the time to do it. And by the 1st of April, we'll start back with our meetings at the Ag Center. So you can show up over there and get plenty of information about first time or starting up beekeeping. And in the meantime, call up uh, Tom Hartley. Give him a call. Ask him. He's really a good mentor. He's mentored a lot of people in Rutherford County. Uh, Fred Embry is another great, great uh, beekeeper. He'd be glad to help anyone out. These are great people. Or call me, Zane Cantrell, and uh, I'll be glad to share information with you about beekeeping and how to get started. So this this right here is a, a time, Truman, that... If you're interested at all, just to get a couple of packages on order, and uh, and and uh, even if you don't want to order some, I'll tell you there are people in Rutherford County that you can buy from as well. So. Uh, oh really? Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Haley out at uh, Triune. Uh, he he produces bees every year. And you can give him a call, Jimmy Haley. He's listed out at Triune, and uh, find out when he'll have bees, and uh, he'll save a package for you. So uh, you're saying a package? <laughs> what does that look like? Okay, a package. <laughs> yeah, they come in a little box that's screened on each side. Yeah. A box about about this size. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm you're talking about a uh, about a half a yard or a yeah. yard or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's screened on each side where yeah. they've got plenty of to breathe, and it's got a queen in there. Queen is inside there in a little uh, queen catcher. Now the queen is selected by the bees, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The queen is by itself because mm-hmm. that queen has been raised. And has and the bees are not used to her yet. Mm-hmm. But usually, by the time that package gets to you, they're pretty well uh, oriented to that one queen. They mm-hmm. they they uh, it has a smell about it, an or- aroma, <laughs> and that's how they tie themselves with that queen. So uh, when it's you like going to a, a store and, and buying some perfume for your wife, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I guess so. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to make that. Yeah, okay. Analogy. I got you. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they, they're uh, they're uh, ready then when you get them and you, you take them and you ease the queen out and you put the queen in the hive that you have prepared for them. You you yourself select the the, the queen bee and who's there and then you put her right on in, her throne or whatever that's right yeah. put her in right in between two frames yeah okay and then you take the rest of the bees you pull out they have a little uh can of sugar water that mm-hmm. they've been eating on you pull that out then you dump all the bees into that hive mm-hmm. that's come in the box you get them all in there and so uh but remember, your queen is still in the little queen box. She's in there by herself. Mm-hmm. You don't want to take the chance of letting her out yet. Now, at the end of that little box, there's a cork mm-hmm. on each side, and there's a little bit of candy uh, in there. And the bees have to eat out that candy to release the queen. 
And so the time they get that eaten out, they are fully uh, accepting that queen. Mm -hmm. So she comes out. They start preparing everything for her. And she starts laying right away, just as soon as they get it, get the uh, uh, comb ready for her to start laying. So it's uh, that kind of procedure that takes place. Now I know I'm not I'm minimizing everything, but you you've got to be careful on what how you do that. How long will she survive? She uh, usually a queen they say will last up to five years, live wow. up to five years. But the other bees don't last. That no, long. they don't. But here's the thing about it: they'll usually replace a queen about every two to three years. They'll do that themselves, and they requeen, and uh, they raise their own queen, and that's when they start swarming. Mm-hmm. So they have more than one queen in there. So one of the queens are going to take the half of the hive, and they're going to make another one. They're propagating the species. So that's how they, uh, that's how they take care of uh, expansion. You know, it would be nice if we were structured that way. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, you talk, just the study of bees has to be one of the more important things that goes on because we can learn a lot from Almost each different type of animal that's on this earth, uh, how nature controls much of what goes on with us. Well, it's interesting to watch and study the uh, lifespan of the honeybees. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like when they first hatch out, they become, the the baby bees become... uh, they take care of the other baby bees. They feed them mm-hmm. with the pollen and the sugar. Uh, they call those nursery bees. Yeah. And after they've been a nursery bee for two or three weeks, they become what is known as a house bee. Now, the house bee, she, they start cleaning. They clean everything, and they wax everything, you know, to make sure there are no drafts in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, pull, uh, they... they, they Polaris up there, Poporus, mm-hmm. and uh, they seal up everything. It's it's like a glue. <laughs> it's kind of irritating sometimes, but uh, it it they they do that. That's what the house bees do. And about two or three weeks of that, they become forage bees. Mm-hmm. That's the first time that though it's been about a month. That's the first time they've ever been out of a hive, and they come up out and they fly up and they look at their hive and look at everything around it and they come back down and sit down they fly back up again they do that several times what they're doing is ornating themselves (coughs) excuse me Mm -hmm. to the uh, hive and uh, where they live and if you have a hundred hives there they know which one is theirs which one uh, is belongs to them and then they're ready to go out and start foraging now they send out scouts to find out where the best pollen is and that scout comes back and it that scout informs others where it is and they could go directly to it and that amazing just to think about all of that 
and there are all these forgers out. They might be 25,000 forgers out. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing about it, and I want to make this clear. Say 10,000 of them are over here on strawberries. Yeah. Okay, they're going to work strawberries. 10,000 of them are over here on uh, maple trees. They're going to work that maple tree, yeah. okay, until the, the uh, nectar is gone. But it doesn't mean that all 25,000 of them will be over here on strawberries. Yeah. They divide it up, and they know how to do that, where they don't have to com compete with each other just to get the nectar. Or when it's on uh, clover. 10,000 of them may be on clover. Mm -hmm. 10,000 over here somewhere else and 10,000. You'll get up to 75 to 100,000 honeybees in one hive. That's a good, strong hive. Yeah. So only about half of them stay in that hive at one time. So you can imagine if you've got 100,000 bees in that hive, 50,000 of them are out foraging at one time, and 50,000 of them are still in that hive. So they, have, they know which ones are going to be the foragers, and that's how, kind of how they do it. You know, that's kind of a... Uh, they're kind of blessed when you think about it. I know they don't live long and all that, but all the things that they give back to us, it's automatic. They, they, they know what they have to do. They don't have to go to school or anything. They automatically... Uh, know what their role in, in nature is. Yeah, uh, here's the thing about it. They they have an instinct. It's already bred into them, uh, like a lot of animals. You yeah. don't have to teach them these things. They already know it. It's it's a part of the instinct of that honeybee. They just know what to do, how to divide out, and how to uh, separate and do the right things. Now, here here's makes it even more complicated. These foragers in the summertime don't live more than 30 to 45 days, and they mm. die out. That's why your queen has got to be lazy. Laying. They work themselves to death? That's right. The queen's got to be laying at least 1,000 to 1,500 eggs a day yeah. in order to keep that hive, uh, the number of it in there, uh, where they can be good foragers. Now, when the pollen starts uh decreasing as the summer goes on the uh we'll get back to that yeah yeah we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back with zane cantrell Leon Daniels, the host of The Truth Will Set You Free on WGNS every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., strongly recommends you contact the inspired men of God concerning the peril times in which we live. Check out the Beyond Today website for biblical understanding of today's events for a better biblical comprehension for today and beyond. We are blessed. One of the presenters lives in our community, Gary Petty, pastor of the local congregation. Adams Place is a premier senior living facility in Murfreesboro. Our residents say the chefs at Adams Place run the area's best restaurant. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Adams Place Residential Living Director Terry Deal. Offering independent living, assisted living, memory care, health care center, and on-site rehabilitation. 
Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. If you want to get some barbecue, I'll tell you how to do it. Head for the Slick Pig and you're into it. Just walk through the door at 1920 East Main and your nose will send a message right to your brain. Say, mmm, smells good. And barbecue. Slick Pig. We got ribs and beans. Got spicy wings. Slick Pig. A Murfreesboro tradition. 1920 East Main. Take a moment and rate your lifestyle on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 is a life that's nothing like the life you were promised after getting good grades, a college degree, and a good job in corporate America. 10 is the life of your dreams. If you answered anything less than a 10, tune into the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell's self-made millionaire and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited will show you how to live the life of your dreams and pay for it with passive income. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show, Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, right here on News Radio WGNS. Hi guys, this is Mike Vrabel, head coach of the Tennessee Titans. During these uncertain times, like you, I'm focused on keeping my family and myself safe and healthy. While many areas of our lives have been put on hold, health emergencies are still taking place. Don't wait to seek treatment for an emergency. ERs at Ascension St. Thomas Hospitals are open 24-7 and have strict safety precautions in place. I'm sharing this message with all of my Middle Tennessee neighbors. Don't wait to seek treatment for an emergency. Go straight to the ER. An update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Dwight Ogleton, known for offering free rides to vote, is now offering free rides to seniors living in downtown Murfreesboro to get their COVID-19 vaccinations. The shots are offered downtown at Blackman's Pharmacy on the corner of College and Spring Streets. Ogleton told News Radio WGNS. We'll be on standby trying to help senior citizens get their shot. What inspired you to do this? Grace and mercy. To talk with Dwight Ogleton, give him a call. You'll find his number on WGNSRadio.com. The Tennessee Department of Transportation is warning of possible lane closures and delays. TDOT repairing potholes across the Middle Tennessee left over from last week's winter storms. TDOT crews are using a cold mix asphalt to fill the potholes for now with more permanent repairs using a hot mix of asphalt to follow in the spring and summer. TDOT says most repairs will be done during off-peak travel time. The county mayor, Bill Ketron, announced that LaShawn Dixon has been named the director of the Rutherford County Health Department. She'd been serving as interim director since the unexpected death of Director Dana Garrett last October. Garrett had been in that position for 20 years. Prior to being the interim director, she was the assistant director for the Rutherford County Health Department. She's an MTSU grad with a bachelor's degree and a master's in health and human performance. Tennessee lawmakers are introducing a bill that would allow public employees to cite religious reasons for opting out of training. News Radio, WGNS, Murfreesboro, the voice of Rutherford County, and the flagship station for Blue Raiders sports. The courthouse clock shows it's 10 o'clock. NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. 
It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And we're back with Zane Cantrell. Uh, let's get back to what we were talking about. Yeah, uh, we were talking about the uh, the forgers, the workers yeah. in the summertime. They don't live very long. They live uh, about 30 to 40 days, and they just work themselves to death doing that. Mm-hmm. So that queen's got to uh, be in a position. A good queen will lays, lay 1,000 to 1,500 eggs a day. And so that makes it extremely important that you have a good, strong queen. Mm-hmm. Now, even though we say a queen can last up to or live up to five years, uh, usually what they do is they'll, they'll requeen. If they, if they don't do that, you need to keep very close eye on it yourself and requeen them. Now, you have to order a queen, and uh, certain times of the year, you can't order a queen. So you've got to be careful early summer to get those queens that you think you will need. And now, how do they accept the queen? Do well, they ever not accept the queen? Yes, absolutely. That that can happen. I've had that to happen to me. As a matter of fact, I've have it, had two, uh, at least up to two queens that were not accepted. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they kill the queen. They just don't... Uh, th- they just don't attach to her, so it's very care, very uh, precarious type of situation where yeah. you have a new queen. And uh, what I, what uh, Robert Burns is all—I don't know if you know Robert. Robert's a great beekeeper, lives mm-hmm. out on way out on close to Eagleville, but uh, he he uses this procedure, and I've tried it too. You take eucalyptus. Mm-hmm. and put a few drops in water. And when you have a late queen, like late summertime, mm-hmm. take that eucalyptus water and spray all of your bees down with it and spray the whole box, everything. That takes away all uh, aroma, all everything that smells in there. It takes away all of the odor. So it's the smells that they have to accept? Yes. It takes all of that away. So they don't have any, they can't remember the old queen because Uh of that. So then once you get them sprayed down of eucalyptus water, these are little techniques that you learn over the years. Uh, but anyway, then you take your queen, who's in a little box, mm-hmm. and you put her in between two frames, and then you wait for uh, three or four days, mm-hmm. and by that time, they will accept her. So that's one of the things that you have to do when you find that your bees are not accepting a queen. So you've got to be careful know what you're doing when, when you do that. So there's little techniques of, uh, of raising bees that... We never hit on, but those are the things that you learn going to the beekeepers' meetings and uh, finding out. It's amazing out. how they have a strong sense of smell. That's right. What they're going to accept. That's exactly right. Now, up until a few years ago, we thought, well, how do bees determine that uh, uh, where the nectar is? You mm-hmm. know, you have your scout bees going out, and they come back, and they tell them. Well, they don't have a language like we do. Yeah. What they do, though, is they have the ability to smell where that bee has been through the air. Hmm. So they get a good smell of that bee, 
and then they follow his trail through the air. So they sense it to go back to where the nectar is. So we found that out through trials and testing and so on. Uh, what's interesting, too, is back in the old days when uh, a farmer saw some bees out there on his crops and he didn't have any bees, uh, he's wondering where they come from. Yeah. So they took some flour and they would uh, sprinkle it on the bees where they could watch them mm-hmm. where they, when they leave and uh, the bees would take them back to that bee tree. So they cut that bee tree down, put them in a hive, and you got you're starting out with some bees. So it's kind of like what the bees do today, but they're more sophisticated. They follow that scent in the air, uh, and they do have a strong sense of uh, smell among themselves, and that's what plays into uh, uh, bees accepting that queen. You know that that's amazing. So are there any plants in this area that are are normally here in in uh, say in Rutherford County that have a stronger uh, attraction as far as aroma than any other plant and, and, and maybe it, it gives them a healthier type situation as far as as their hive is concerned. I really think clover, you know. Even oh, that's all I remember them yeah, being on. Clover, I, I can smell clover myself. It's, yeah. It's in the air when the clover starts blooming. Those little white clover blooms comes out. They, they really accept that. Also, your trees, there are a lot of trees out there that yeah. they, they get... Uh, the tulip poplar, for example. Remember when you were a kid, you don't do this anymore, but you'd go out there and get that blossom off of the uh, tulip poplar? Yeah. And you remember how sweet it was? Yep. <laughs> you'd lick those little leaves. They were so, so good. And, and you can smell that in there. And if you can, you know the bees are picking up on it. But you're exactly right. There are some. Uh, also, the black locust. Yeah. The black locust, boy, you can smell that in the spring when they start blooming. And we have honeysuckle. A, yeah, we you have a lot. Now, certain honeysuckles I can't get to because it's too narrow. Yeah. But once the bumblebee, bumblebee is strong enough to tear open that honeysuckle, mm-hmm. then the bees will come in behind them and get the rest of it. So that <laughs> that is a, something that does happen out there. But uh, the honeysuckle is very difficult for the bees to get to. Well, now, some of those plants are not as obvious now as they were when you were and, and I were growing up around in this area. And clover is one of them. Is it? Is that us that's changing them? A lot of people want to have different types of grasses and things like that. Yeah, some people in their yards, they don't like to have clover. I love clover. Yeah, I know it. I think it's a great plant to have. Yeah. But uh, you're right. They they they're, they uh, spray the lawns and kill them, kill everything, everything on there because they see a little sprig of... Uh, of weed instead of just dealing with that one weed. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a shame that we do things the way we do now. We spray uh, for mosquitoes, and we know good and well it doesn't 
get rid of the mosquitoes. It made for one day, but the next day there's mosquitoes coming back in. And it's useless, and it's uh, detrimental to pollinators to get out there and spray for mosquitoes. And people need to stop doing things like that. They think they know what they're doing, but they're doing more harm to our environment by doing that. And killing our grass and resowing it, and you talk to these people that, uh, and, and I'm not criticizing anyone. It's a living that they make mm-hmm. uh, by cutting grass and making sure there's no weeds in your grass. But that kind of grass is usually useless. Uh, it may look pretty lawn for you. It's all green, but it's not a healthy lawn. So if you've got a lot of uh, blooming plants in your lawn, let them stay there. They're beautiful. They attract pollinators, and, uh, and that keeps the whole environment healthier when you're attracting pollinators. If you, if you really love to watch bees and watch them work, and you're not into uh, uh, buying the bees and taking care of them, you can take care of them in other ways. By planting something, uh, the, the flowers and the fruit trees and all those other things, the maples, um, that can actually draw them and make them healthy. Well, one thing remember, when we were growing up, you saw a lot of apple orchards. Yeah. Uh, cherry orchards. Mm-hmm. They were on our farm. All Peach Cherries orchards. were beautiful in the Yeah, and they were beautiful yeah. in the spring of the year. You don't see that much anymore. Uh, But they attracted all kinds of pollinators. And here's the thing about it. If you don't want to fool with bees, honeybees, okay. But have a nice, healthy lawn with uh, plants that bloom. You'll have butterflies coming back. How long has it been since you've really seen some nice butterflies? It's been a while. Been a while. Yeah. And we just don't have the plants out there that support them anymore uh, like they used to back in the 50s and 60s and 70s. So uh, uh, we're getting too sophisticated. <laughs> That's with, easy for you yeah. to say, Zane. <laughs> <laughs> with our plants. Yeah. So uh, uh, let's, you know, t- really think about, people ought to really think about it before they start destroying their lawns and replanting them. And that's expensive to do that. Uh, you can deal with a few weeds yourself without having to. Uh, dig up your whole lawn and have a nice healthy one, a variety of plants in it. That makes a healthy lawn and a pretty lawn, too. And you're going to attract all of these pollinators, a lot of, uh, uh, lot of different kinds of birds, and also butterflies. I'd yeah. love to see the butterflies coming back again. Yeah. There was something about butterflies. They would always land on my head or on my shoulder. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Yeah. It, I know it couldn't have been the aroma that, that, that brought them in. It, there is one thing I was wanting to ask you. One, I think it's the last time you're on. Why don't we teach those type of things in science classes? Well, you know, uh, I think I see things coming back that way. It's like uh, a few years ago we got away from sh- uh, teaching shop mm-hmm. in our schools. And now we're going back to it. But here is a good incentive to get it back into the agricultural domain. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, 
our agriculture in the state of Tennessee is several million, hundred million dollars a year in value. Yeah. Okay. So to support agriculture, we need to continue to start, keep teaching it in our schools to get back to it. Down to earth type of teaching that we uh, we know what to do, and we yeah. have people out there that can teach it that are really good at it. So we, I, I'm con- I'm convinced and encouraged that I see us going back to teaching shop again, regular old shop, how to do things yeah. with your hands, and also teaching about agriculture and how important it is and what the value is to our society. Man, if you do away with our agriculture, you're doing away with so much that's important yeah. in our country to keep us healthy and uh, a thriving community. That's that, you know, it's it's good to have all of the technology that we're having and uh, the things that we're doing from home. You know, uh, our Technology has is, has done some great things in this country, in this world, but it's also done ha, has made things um, to leave leave our education system yeah. that should have stayed in there and should. I mean, uh, you think of things like this: agriculture. Yeah. Uh, uh, the 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 there's a lot of people. Uh, who are born with very special gifts that really don't need the type of uh, uh, curriculum that we've got in our schools. And one of the things that we lost besides that is our history. We've gotten to a point where the the history is not even available mm-hmm. uh, as far as the things they need to know, and that's the special thing about our country and how it began and and how it got to be where it was. It made our country the greatest country in the world, and uh, uh, now you've got opinions through the through the internet, uh, the media, and all this, that are putting out false information that these kids today could have learned in the in the school system that we have available yeah, for them. That's one of my biggest criticism of the uh, technology that we have is that so much of it is false information yeah. that's getting out there. Uh, and, and that's that's a sad, sad thing. We need to get back to the basics in this country, down to the good old farming basics, uh, to understand how to do things yourself without always calling somebody to come and uh, do simple things yeah. in your home. Uh, you can do that. You can teach that. Uh, also, uh, cooking. There's yeah. nothing wrong with the kids learning how to cook and what, how to take care of themselves. Um, I, I don't see us doing that much more. And I, I don't mean this as criticism, but it's just something that needs to be called to attention. Um, the Internet, in my opinion, is probably the worst thing that's ever happened oh, I agree. to our society. And I, and I hate to say that, but there's so much false information out there. And for some reason, people will believe it 
Yeah. You know, it's they they call media is the name of supposedly the news networks. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, we've get, but they have misnamed it. It should be Manchuria, the media. <laughs> I, I think that would fit a whole lot better than yeah. what we've got right yeah. now. Well, we've got a long ways to go. And uh, part of the things that I do want to stress is that beekeeping is you've got to get out there and it's hands-on. Yeah. You've got to learn how to do it. You can't call somebody else to do it for you. Is there a number that people can call? Besides looking in the Internet, is there a number that someone can call to know when the next meeting is or, or the date? And uh, It's someone to talk to. Uh, yes. Call Robin Elrod or Keith Elrod, either one of them. Okay. They, they'll uh, keep you informed on about the next meetings. And, uh, have we got their number? Yeah, well, I don't have it with them, but they're they're listed in the phone book. What phone book? Uh, the Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's another thing we've lost. Yeah, I know we've lost. <laughs> That's true. We yeah. lost that. But anyway, they they're I don't have them. But you call the Lane Ag Center. You yeah. can find that okay. and get their number. All these people are listed, including myself. I'm listed over at the Lane Ag Center. Okay. I don't even know my own number sometimes. But, but the next meeting is? Next meeting is the first Monday night in April. Monday night in April. Yes. At what time? At 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. At the Lane Ag Center. Yeah. And we'd love to have anyone who's interested in starting up their beekeeping. Uh, right now is the time to do it. Don't wait any longer. Get involved in it now. Show up over there, and uh, we'll help anyone get started. We'll mentor someone, someone assigned to you. We'll make sure that you know what you're doing as a beekeeper. And we need you to need you. You don't have to be a member. Just show up, and we welcome anyone to come. They've probably got a cup of coffee there for you. Well, sometimes we do. I don't know if they're going to allow us to have anything. We're still in the pandemic mode. Well, you, uh, you should have... Uh, uh uh, some type of uh, uh, food that would have we usually sugar do. all over it or yeah, some donuts or something. Yeah, we usually do that. Yeah. But uh, w- under the guidelines right now of the pandemic, I doubt Don't if even they, say that word. Yeah, but I doubt if they'll – you can't hide from it, Truman. No, I mean, you can't hide from it. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> I doubt if they'd let us bring anything in because they'd be okay. worried about we'd be – uh, having somebody to catch uh, the virus, so <laughs> so we've got to be very careful and follow all the rules. And I know you don't like to follow rules. No, no, Truman. Some rules I don't. Yeah, a lot of rules you don't. <laughs> I I don't live in uh, a communist country like Russia or, or someplace like that. Yeah. I enjoyed it, Zane. Zane Cantrell, you're always a great guest. Well, thank you. I can't believe the time's already passed by. Actually, they let us go over again. Well, good. Which is good. I enjoy it. (laughs) Thank you for having us. I enjoyed it. It it was really another great show, and it always is when you're on. Thank you very much. Thank you, Zane. We'll see you in the morning at 9. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. 
It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. 